Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this episode comes from eBay. Whether it's a holy grail pair of sneakers, head-turning handbags, or one genuine wardrobe staple. If you're always on the hunt for that one wardrobe staple you just gotta have, eBay gets it. Nothing's more important than the real deal. When you shop on eBay, all you have to do is look out for that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be verified authentic through a detailed inspection. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. everybody it is tuesday october 17th 2023 and it is indeed a heck of a morning we are live on the ma fighting twitter space you can hear the show start to finish in its entirety on the ma fighting podcasting network what's going on everyone i am mike heck hope you are all having a wonderful start to the week and what a week it shall be because after the silliness that went down this past Saturday with the Misfits boxing card. UFC was kind of a palate cleanser, but we kind of just viewed UFC Vegas 81 as the go-home event for UFC 294. We were just ready for all this stuff to be done so we could get ready for 294. And guess what? It is UFC 294 fight week. We are just a few days away from Islam Makachev versus Alexander Volkanovsky 2. Just a few days away from the return of Hamzat Shemaev, now fighting Kamara Usman. And the card's pretty damn good. And it's early day MMA, ladies and gentlemen. Early day MMA, which makes me so happy. So we will have a watch party on Saturday. It's essentially like the one-year anniversary of the MMA fighting watch party. We started at UFC 280 which was the Abu Dhabi card last year. So this will be a year of the watch party. So I'm very excited and it should be a lot of fun. I don't even know where to start with all this because Edson Barboza, great, great performance. Dude is a grizzled vet, just came back. Sadiq Yusuf had that big first round, comes back and wins a UFC Vegas 81. But This ain't the headlines, man. This is not the headlines. It's not where the headlines are coming from. All the headlines are coming from this prime card event. And we should all collectively just sort of be ashamed of ourselves. This, not that I believe it, but I saw some 
I saw some initial reports that it did like 1.4 million pay-per-view buys. And honestly, if that's a number that it actually is, I don't think I would be that surprised. But it's still sort of odd and eerie to see that number, even if it's real or fake or whatnot. But even seeing that, I thought to myself, yeah, I could see 1.4 million people buying that pay-per-view for $55. And I could see 1.3999 million people being like, what the fuck am I thinking and doing with my life? How did I get caught up in all of this? Because we all should have known that Logan Paul versus Dylan Dennis was going to be one of the worst fights we've ever seen. And we probably should have known that Tommy Fury versus KSI would be one of the worst fights we've ever seen. Now, I don't want to shit on the entire card because I did watch it. I didn't watch any of the prelims. I saw some of the highlights, but I watched the entire main card. And up until that point where Dylan Dennis and Logan Paul boxed, it actually wasn't bad. Like the Dean, the great fight. I forget who he fucks. I don't know any of these people because I'm 40, but that fight was awesome. That was a really fun fight. That was probably the most exciting fight of the of the entire weekend in between the two events, between that and UFC. The Salt Poppy fight, I know New Yorker's waiting to talk. Salt Poppy slimmed down, looked real good early, and then lost to Slim. That was fun. Like, it was fun until we got to what people actually paid for. And then it was just absolute dog shit. It was so bad. It was so bad. Like, I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually mad I watched it. I'm mad I watched it because it was so bad. And we should have expected it. Somehow Dylan Dennis convinced me in some way and a lot of other people that I'm actually going to try. Like, I'm going to try to throw a punch. And I saw something with uh, – I saw some Twitter threads going on and some back and forths. Ben the Bane Davis. Ben the Bane, right? Ben the Bane goes over and boxes Anderson Silva's son on the most recent Misfits card before that one. And yeah, he got bolted. And he will tell you that as well. He will be the first one to tell you that he got run that night. But he also, like, tried. He threw punches. He at least attempted to have a fist fight. Look, Dylan Dennis did not even attempt to have a fist fight. I think he landed 12 punches, and I don't think he threw a single punch in the first round. I don't think he threw one punch in the first round. It was just so bad. And we knew what he was going to say about all of this. We knew it. I'm the jujitsu dude. I made it all six rounds. He ran away the whole time. Like, that's what he was going to say, and that's exactly what he's saying. I just – I don't know what Dylan Dennis says next. I don't know. Was this good? Even if the fight was bad, like, Dylan Dennis is the reason. If this does sell 1.4 million pay-per-views, I don't think that's going to be the number, but if it was, Dylan Dennis is the reason for it. So he deserves credit for that, but – is anyone going to pay $55 to watch Dylan Dennis fight again? Is anyone going to pay $20 to watch Dylan Dennis fight again? It's a big question. Maybe, maybe you will. Maybe you will. I came out of that just being like, oh, my Lord. 
stinky. Just super, super stinky. All of it. But I'm so excited. It's UFC 294 fight week. And let's talk about whatever you want. Let's go. New York Rick is patiently waiting. And it's just an honor and a privilege to have him back here. Good morning, New York Rick. Heck of a morning, Mike. I come to you again from the elliptical. So forgive any like panting and breaks of breath and all that stuff. Um, you said something very interesting about would I, would I pay $20 to watch Dylan Dennis again? And I've been thinking about, I didn't have an opportunity to say this on the MMA hour, but I've been thinking about this idea of the four fighters, Logan Paul, Dylan Dennis, KSI, Tommy Fury of the four fighters that were in the main the two double main events on Saturday. If you were a promoter, which one would you rather give money to to headline a card? If you were a fan, which one would you rather see at the top of the bill? And it doesn't have to be boxing. It could be boxing, MMA, whatever it is. Would you give money to see at the top of the bill? My answer is Dylan Dennis, even after the stinker of a fight, because quite frankly... If I'm going to be subjected to any of the four who all obviously can't box to save their lives, I'd rather have the one who's going to be interesting in the lead up and create the excitement about the fight. So I'm curious what you think. Look, I, I get it. I get it. And yeah, Dylan, like I said earlier, Dylan, Dan, whatever this does, it's going to be successful. It's all because of Dylan Dennis. It isn't because of KSI. I mean, maybe they deserve some credit. KSI put the event on. Everyone, KSI is a big star. Logan Paul is obviously a big star. But of the 1.4 million people, like 900,000 of those at least were not like, ooh, I got to watch Logan Paul box or I have to watch Tommy Fury box KSI. No, they were like, oh. I want to see either Dylan Dennis somehow babyface Dylan Dennis beat Logan Paul. Let's just see how he does. Or if you hated everything that he did, he's going to get his comeuppance. He's going to get his comeuppance. And you know what? He lost and was it was embar- it was an embarrassing performance, but I don't know if he got his comeuppance. So if I'm Dylan, I actually don't blame him for talking the way that he is, but I just don't know if like, I don't know. I guess the answer to my question is like, if I'm putting on an event, who of those four would I call the headline? Probably Logan Paul. I think he's the bigger name out of everybody. And yeah, against Dylan, I think, Dylan obviously won a lot of the verbal exchanges, won a lot of those moments, etc. But I think it's probably Logan. He'll have it. At worst, you get like somewhat of the WWE machine behind it in some way, just because of who he is and because he wrestles in WWE. And what did he? And what did Logan do in his post fight interview? He put over WWE calls out Ray Mysterio for a wrestling, a professional wrestling match. It's probably Logan Paul. I get why people would say Dylan, but I just don't know how, I don't know how many people are going to be like, yeah, let's give him another chance between the pullout with the KSI fight to not pulling out of this fight 
and then performing the way that he did, I just don't know if people are going to buy it anymore. I will say this. I want to thank Dylan Danis publicly on this program because, as you know, I was on No Bets Barred. I emptied the clip from a betting perspective on Dylan Danis fighting. That's what I was – that was – I emptied the clip on it that Dylan Danis would show up. It was at plus 140. And the bet was, will the fight happen? And I knew Dylan would show up. I knew he'd show up. I had faith. People were still saying even Friday he wasn't going to fight. I had faith. Biggest bet of my life. Biggest bet of my life was that Dylan would fight. And he did. So I'm happy about that <laughs> from a betting perspective. I had a winning week. I had a winning – even if I lost every other bet – and I lost a lot of them. Dylan Danis fighting Logan Paul on Saturday was everything. First winning week of my combat betting career since I like started doing this. And it's because Dylan fought. So I give him credit for that. And I thank him for that. But yeah, it was, it was a bad performance. Ugh. But... Good for you, Dylan. You got you got the bag, dude. You got the bag. And at the end of the day, spend it wisely. But it's probably Logan Paul. It's not KSI. I don't think KSI's got a lot of fans either. Uh, and Tommy Fury's just not long for this influencer boxer world at this point. So I'll go Logan, but I understand if you'd say Dylan. Uh, Lee, go ahead. Yeah, what's going on, Mike? How we Pretty doing? good. Um, yeah, the last time I was actually on the show was when Jose Aldo was fighting Pedro Munoz. Um, but I just wanted to say, uh, I don't know if I'm the first person to dub it, but let's dub this card the, the card of the underdogs because I'm thinking that Volk's going to get a finish um, and Usman's going to put up a tough fight. I think his experience is going to give Shamayev a lot of problems. I do think Shamayev does have the athletic um, prowl to him compared to Usman. But, yeah, I'm just ready for fights, and thanks for having me on. Thanks, Ed. Yeah, dude, uh, the Volk is interesting. I loved his interview on the MMA Hour. It was more, and look, there's still shade. If you listen to Jed Mishu talk about Volkanovski, I kind there's a part of me that sort of understands where he's coming from, because the whole thing, the thing that's really turned Jed in regards to Volkanovski is this notion that everybody doubts him all the time, and even when people were saying he's the best fighter on the planet. And Jed, for the last year or so, has been saying, you could make a case right now that Alexander Volkanovsky is the best fighter we've ever seen from a skill and a talent perspective. And yet, when people are still saying this, and if you get that from Jed, that's saying something. This whole notion that even when Volk's a minus 500 favorite, oh, everybody doubts me. Everybody was picking against me. All of this. I, I think that rubs some people the wrong way when that's just not the case. Now, from not being a fighter, you have to find a chip on your shoulder. And Calvin Cater has told me this a million times. Like, even when I really liked the guy and I'm not getting any trash talk from the other side, like, I have to, like, think of something that gives me that chip. And maybe for Volk, that's what it is. But I love. I think the fight is more intriguing than the Oliveira fight. 
Do I wish we could get full camps? Do I wish this was December 2024 and this was the scheduled fight? Of course. Of course. But as my best friend Alexander K. Lee said on BTL, and I've come more so on his side with this, when the chance comes to do something, you have to do it. You have to do it. And if both sides are, are on board, then go ahead and just run with it because you may not get it again. We may not get Israel Adesanya versus Drinkus Duplessis. That may never happen. We may never have gotten this rematch because if Makachev does what he says he's going to do, which he feels like a, a trip up to welterweight is very possible. And I don't know if this is going to be like, oh, I'm going to try to be a two-division champion. I think he's just going to be a welterweight. Then you, you can't get the Volk rematch. You could, but it would just be super weird if Volk's jumping up to 170 to do it. So, yeah, let's do it. And I'm intrigued by it. As far as the co-main event goes, I was more interested in the Costa fight, mostly because Costa is a big, strong, athletic middleweight. And I wanted to see how Hamza Chimaev could handle a big, strong, athletic middleweight who is pretty decent on the ground, can strike, and is an absolute dog in a lot of respects. I'm not dogging on the Usman fight at all. I like it. It's a great fight. And if you could throw a curveball at me, this is a pro wrestling move from the UFC because I didn't see Usman coming from a mile away. I probably should have, but I didn't. I was like, eh, maybe they'll move Michelle Pereira over. Maybe we'll get this guy in there. Maybe they'll flip some things around. Maybe we'll do this. And then all of a sudden, Kamar Usman steps in on short notice, and you're like, oh, this is really interesting since we've wanted to see this fight for a long time. I am, I am intrigued by it. Because I, I don't know what we're going to get. My gut is telling me right now to call me. Do not call me when I'm doing heck of a morning. So you get the red telephone thing. My gut is telling me this fight is going to play out on the feet and they're just going to beat the shit out of each other. Like this is going to be a war. I don't think we're going to get like Shamayev Burns level of stuff, but I think it's going to be a fun fight. I honestly think Usman's best chance to win this fight, and I think that's his goal. I don't think his goal is to go in there and be competitive with Hamza Shemaev. I think his goal is to go in there and shake up the world because if he goes in there and beats Shemaev, he does exactly that. I honestly think Usman's best chance to win this fight is to keep it on the feet and try to lull Hamza Shemaev into just a sloppy striking battle. Because if you can get... Shemaev in that place, you can beat him. And Usman hits really, really hard. And if Usman lands his best shot on Shemaev, he could, he could win. He could win. If Usman gets Shemaev down, can he keep him there? I'm curious about that, especially if it happens late. If Shemaev gets Usman down, he's going to kill him. He is going to kill him so i'm curious about that can usman stay on his feet can usman avoid being on his back because if that happens it is gonna be a rough rough day for him not saying that it will be a rough day for shabayev if usman gets on top 
But we saw what Leon Edwards did, and Leon was able to hold Usman on his back. If Hamzat gets him down there, he is going to whoop him. So I am intrigued by the fight. I really am. Could it be the day of the dog? Possibly. But fascinating. I even said on our, our roundtable with my best friend and, and Damon that because one of the questions is like, does it make the card better? I don't think it does, but it doesn't make it worse. And I guess by definition, it does make it better because most times when you get short notice replacements in these spots, it's just a guarantee that it's going to be worse. It's just a guarantee. Like we lost Yuri Prohashka, Glover Teixeira too in December. We got Jan Blachowicz versus Makhamed and Goliath instead as the new main event. And that was one of the worst cards. That was just not a good, it was just bad. It was just bad. It's very rare when you can replace two huge fights with equally, if not slightly worse interest levels. But I feel like these even out because I do think the main event's more interesting. Co-main event, yes, still very interesting. Personally, I wanted to see the Costa fight for a lot of the reasons that I said earlier. But boy, you could have done a lot worse than this. And I give the UFC and all all of the fighters, not just Usman and Volk, I give Hamza credit and I give Islam Makachev credit. And I don't see him getting enough credit for this. In fact, I think he should get more credit than Volk should, than Volk's getting. Honestly, I th- it's a whole different fight for him. Like, Islam is about to cruise into Abu Dhabi and work Charles Oliveira again. And now he gets a whole different fight on 10 days' notice. He could have said no. He could have used this as a negotiation thing. But no, he's like, no, I'm the champ. Let's go. It's, if it's Volk, let's go. And it's pretty – you don't see that. You just don't see that anymore. So I dig it. As you can see, I'm really excited to talk about UFC 294 because I'm, I'm pumped. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this episode comes from eBay. Whether it's a holy grail pair of sneakers, head-turning handbags, or one genuine wardrobe staple. If you're always on the hunt for that one wardrobe staple you just gotta have, eBay gets it. Nothing's more important than the real deal. When you shop on eBay, all you have to do is look out for that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be verified authentic through a detailed inspection. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Toke, welcome back, sir. We just had the Misfits card, which was, uh, I mean, I actually bought it. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I, did too. Uh, I mean, I did too. And I, it's, I'm not even getting reimbursed for it. 
May oh you yo I thought you were getting reimbursed. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't was covering say, it, but can... I wasn't covering it. But I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do it because I didn't. Because <laughs> I don't trust. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I tried to stream it, but I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't oh. figure it out, so I was like, fuck it. I'm just gonna buy it. Like rough let's scene. Go. Yeah, yeah. I, I bought it too, but at least I had regional pricing, so it's about fifteen dollars for me. So that's uh, that's a lot better, <laughs> a lot yes. more digestible. <laughs> Yes, it definitely but, is. But I had a good time watching it, actually. But that's mostly because I saw... I mean, I I thought I have $15 for a circus, and I got a circus by because I got in right as the uh, tag team uh, boxing match was going on. And that was a lot of fun, I gotta say. I was, I was impressed. Um, of course, the rest of the card. No, Dean the Great was also good, and, uh, and the... Uh, Salt Poppy fight that he lost was also really good. It was just the fights that actually were the ones you were paying for. They were just shit, and that's just what it is. Anyways, <laughs> I basically only came on to talk about that, and quickly, uh, just the tag team matches, give me more of them. That's my whole point uh, about that. And then, if I had sent in the pick of Edson Barboza versus Ilya Tuporia, I it would not have been read on air because that is the most horrible pick AK has ever made, and he stands by it in my replies, and I, I'm just, I, I can't. I mean, I, this is it's just horrendous, and I'm glad that you called him out for it live on air as well, <laughs> because that is just, oh, I, I can't even believe that he said, uttered the words. Um, so yeah, that, that's all for me, actually. It was just a little story about <laughs> about the Misfits cards and then just calling out AK once again. See ya. Yeah, that was that was a stunning pick from AK. It really was. And it hurt my soul to, to, to say my piece. But to be fair, AK has called me out on many of my picks as well, and it's okay. We're not, you know, the, not every pick is for all people. I've made some stinky ones too. I've I've delivered the doo doo as well on that program. So if I call you out for doo doo or AK calls you out for doo doo, don't take it personally because we both done it too. Um, but man, when AK has conviction on certain fights, he somehow has this way of willing them into existence. So maybe wouldn't that be what? How friggin' crazy would it be if they booked like Holloway or Volk versus Taporia in January and like two weeks before the fight, one of them goes down and they do an interim title fight and the only featherweight available to take it is Edson Barboza? We'll never, it, it just, it would be the flex of all flexes from my best friend. Uh, let's go to Nick. What's up, Nick? I ask a question, really. What sort of uh, reach advantage is our husband giving up? It's a good question. Let me pull that up. I don't think it's... Honestly, I don't think it's a ton. Let me pull it up. Let's look at the statistics here. There we go. Do, do, do. Where are we? It's not coming up. Son of a biscuit. 
Bear with me. I will find it. I have my ways. All right. So Kamar Usman, a 76-inch reach advantage. Hamzat Shemaev. Ooh, Usman has, has the one-inch reach advantage. And Usman usually does. Usually, Usman usually does in his welterweight fights as well. So I'm not really surprised by the, by the numbers there. But it's just the physicality of Shemayev, man. He's just... Dude is a horse. It's an interesting fight. I could be reading this one completely wrong. Like, it could... I really could. I just feel like if Shemayev is able to get a hold of Usman and lock his hands together, Usman's going to get chucked around. And if Shemayev gets him on his back, it's going to be a problem. But I think these two are going to get in there and chuck him. I really think this is going to be a super fun fight. I don't think it's going to be a fence war, a, a, a fence clinch battle. I really don't. I think they're going to start chucking at each other. I really think – and that's why I feel like Usman's best chance to win is to keep it standing and just force Shemaev to get reckless on the feet. That's Usman's best chance to win this fight, I think. Let's go to soon. Is that what we're going with soon? Sony? Are you there? Hello there. Uh, I just got to unmute. Yes, hello. Wow, it's an absolute pleasure actually to be on- online. I've been, uh, um, yeah, I've been listening to Heck of a Morning at pin- Between the Links and all of these shows for the better two years or three years now and never thought to be... Uh, plug in and, and come to speak. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate and really enjoy your shows and, and really look up to you as a host, Mike. And uh, since I'm doing a podcast myself, so I'm always asking myself, what would Mike Heck do if I'm, uh, if I'm pulling up a show? Um, so, yeah, much appreciate. Oh, boy. Anyway. Ask, ask better questions. Ask better questions to yourself, <laughs> not what would I do. Uh, okay. What yeah. would you do? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, um, uh, well, I've got two questions actually today. Um, with this first being with the Volk versus Makachev, and it's starting to seem to me a little bit that uh, Makachev is became, becoming like the Volkanovsky is to Max Holloway in a way that he's trying to really beat the guy. But you know, I don't know. It's only going to be the second time they meet. But Volk seems to me like a really competitive guy and, and really determined to, um, uh, to achieve his goals and everything. So, yeah, I wish him best of luck, but just wondering if, if that becomes kind of like this, trying to chase this one guy who has beat me and then, you know, can always end up uh, uh, backwards as well. And the second thing, uh, the same card involved, uh, Usman and Volkanovski uh, being sort of, uh, uh, yeah, uh, swapped in uh, last minute. Is it fairly safe to assume that they were probably compensated generously for, for coming in as well? That's all from me. Thanks, and have a good day. Thank you, and thank you for the kind words. Compensated, yeah, I would assume so. I would assume so, especially Volk. So, yeah, I, I assume they got... Big checks. Should it be more? Probably. Should everybody have gotten the pay bump for this? I hope so. Just not sure if that's the case. 
And then to, you know, your comparison about the Holloway Volk to Volk Makachev, maybe, but again, like the situations are so different here because they just fought in February. I don't think this fight really was on. I mean, I'm not saying it was off of everybody's radar, but I think people were like, okay, I definitely want to see these two guys fight again after the February fight. It's best fight of the year to this point. And I think people wanted it. I think people were ready for it. It was, but it was, I make the high school girlfriend analogy a lot. Like you meet the woman in high school, like you feel like you got your love and like, I'm going to marry this woman someday, but I don't want to marry her right now. I'm going to come back to this. That's kind of what this fight was to be like, all right, we don't need to do it right the second, but a year and a half from now, when I've gotten some of these other things out of my system, we're going to come back to this and it's going to be magical. So that's what I was hoping for. December 2024, we get the rematch, and that's it. But this is what we're getting, and now's the time. So Volk gets the call, and it, it's real interesting hearing Volk's reaction to all of this. You know, we get a lot of the, the classic Volk stuff, but just hearing him say, when the phone rang and I got the opportunity, I immediately smiled. That's one thing. But the thing that really interests me the most is like, hey, yeah, I know I have another fight kind of locked and loaded for January. But I don't want to wait that long. This is like perfect. I remember just saying, you know, January just seems like such a long time. And then as I'm getting that out of my system and as I'm having that internal dialogue with myself, the phone rings and this opportunity comes along. So pretty crazy, man. Pretty crazy. But – I just want to be really clear about this fight and something that I know we're going to see and it's going to piss me off beyond belief. If Alexander Volkanovsky is not going to use the short notice thing as an excuse, neither should you. And I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna. He is coming in and he's saying all the right things. I was excited for this. I was ready for this. I kind of had a feeling this would happen. I've been training. I'm ready. To fight this guy. Short notice don't mean nothing. I'm going to go in there and finish him. I don't want to hear any bullshit about, well, Islam beat him, but it only because it was short notice. No. That doesn't work here. It doesn't work. It's, you can't use that. He said yes. He signed the contract. Volk saying the right things. He's not going to use this as an excuse. You can't either. If he's not going to, you cannot either. Do not not respect Islam Makachev if he goes out there and just 50-44s him on Saturday. This isn't a, well, he only did it because of short notice. No, it's not. So I, I want that left behind. If Volk isn't going to say it, I don't think it's fair anybody else says it either. Uh, let's go to Kat. Morning, Mike. Can you hear me? Yep, I got you. How are you? Good. How are you doing? It's a pleasure to be back. Um, I have a couple of uh, questions. I'm, I'm sorry if somebody asked this already. I came in kind of late today, unfortunately. Uh, regarding Hamza and Usman, do you think because of Hamza's inactivity, if Usman manages to pull, you know, do the unthinkable for some, that it would put a huge stop to Hamza's hype train? You know, he hasn't been fighting as much. People doubt him after the war with Gilbert a lot. 
Um, and Usman, you know, it's not to take away from Usman. He's one of the most fearless champs, but he is, you know, um, getting older. So if he was to pull that off on Hamza, do you think that would uh, put a stark stop to Hamza's hype train? That's one. And two, I would like to headbutt you because what you said about Charles, uh, that that uh, Islam would steamroll <laughs> him again. I got to disagree. You guys got to remember mental game and positive momentum is a huge thing. Islam got the damn title shot off of Bobby fucking Green, y'all. And, uh, you know, Charles had to go through a lot more adversity to get there. And I feel like losing your, you know, belt off a half a pound, it just messes with the mental game. I'm not ma making excuses for the guy, though. He did get steamrolled. I love him, but he got steamrolled. But don't y'all doubt my boy. Y'all will respect Charles. But that is all. Thank you for having me up here, Mike. Chat, uh, let me just say something to you right here. That was incredible. Thank you. Thank you for the promo. Fantastic. Look, I'm never like you'll never see me disrespect Charles Oliveira. Go back to the heck of a morning's leading into UFC 280. What did I say? Who did I pick? I picked Charles Oliveira. Even though, even though I knew everything on paper told me that Islam Makachev is going to do exactly what he did. And I was just like, I can't, I just can't pick against Charles anymore until he loses. The chaos factor he brings to the table. But just, just guys, just sometimes matchups are just really bad for you. And Islam, by all accounts, is just a really bad matchup for Charles. Now, do I think that Charles would have been more competitive this time around? Yeah, I do. I think he would have been a little bit more competitive. But at the end of the day, it's just a bad fight for him. It's just a bad fight. He's got Charles... Even Charles has all the records for submissions and all that. I get it. He's very solid off of his back. And it's dangerous off his back. But against not high-level, top-position grapplers like Islam Makachev, nothing Charles could do off his back is going to do anything to Islam. He has no threat off of his back to submit Islam Makachev at all. And there's, that was like a big narrative heading in. Well, if, if Islam gets him down, Charles is going to lock up a triangle or an armbar. I'm like, I don't think that's true. So, yeah, look at what Charles, what Charles Oliveira has done over the last three years. It's really incredible. Really incredible. We were talking about, I mean, just think of what, how we were looking at Charles Oliveira heading into UFC 280. That if he had beat Islam Makachev, we're talking about his run being better than Habib's. And there was a and there is a real case for that. And you know what's crazy about Charles Oliveira after that? We didn't see him fight again for like eight months. Supposed to fight in May, doesn't happen, fights in June. You wanna know what happened between losing the belt and now? Charles Oliveira is a bigger star now than he was then. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? He's a bigger star now than he was when he lost the belt and got finished by Islam Makachev. That's friggin' insane. And that kind of leads into your other question. If Hamzat loses, will, will the same thing be true? I still think the intrigue's going to be there. Will it kill his momentum? Will the hype train be derailed forever? 
no. Because I still think, I actually think it makes him a little more interesting. And I'm going to bring AK in a second, but AK and I have been on the same page with the Gilbert Burns fight from Jump Street. A lot of people felt Hamzat lost the momentum from the Gilbert Burns fight. That people viewed him, oh, he's not as good as we thought he was. I took way more away from that than him just finishing Kevin Holland in the first round. We, we realized that even on a bad night, when he's kind of lured into a game plan that he wasn't supposed to have, brought into a fight he wasn't, into a, a style of fighting he wasn't going to implement on that night, but still found a way to win and got hurt pretty bad and had to dig real deep. I learned more about Hamzat Shemaev in that fight than in any other fight he's had. And if he loses to Kamara Usman, we're going to learn a lot more about that man. How, do you, how does he bounce back from a loss, especially one like that? Because that's going to be a tough one. He's going to have a real rough week. But if they bring him back and he fights like Marvin Vittori or something in his next fight, it just annihilates him. We're going to forget all about it. That's, that's the beauty of the sport. You can make it back. It just depends on how you handle the loss, if you handle it with class, and then you overcome that adversity. People love a comeback story, no matter who it is. So, no, I don't think it kills his momentum altogether. Uh, but, yeah, he's going to have a rough week. That's for sure. My best friend. Hello. Never mind. AK, I don't know what's going on with your internet. Or is this uh, is this somebody else? Oh, maybe we got AK. All right, Daniel, you go first. AK, you mute. Hey, I can be the best friend Daniel, for please. today. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate you bringing me on. It's yeah. such an introduction. Uh, no, all jokes. Just keeping it quick here. I know you're a betting man more talking about these lines. What do you think about this over under one and a half rounds for the Hamzat uh, Usman fight? It's plus 150, I believe. Last I looked at over one and a half. I think it's about minus 190 for the under. What would you take out of those two? Thanks, Mike. Um, I don't see it on DraftKings, but I would assume it's probably going to be around there. I'm going under. I'm going to go under in that fight. Either Usman... Either Shemaev's going to put him on his back and just kill him, or Usman's going to catch him with something and knock him, knock him out. So once it drops on DraftKings, I'll probably take a closer look at it. But I think it's I don't I don't think this fight's going to the cards. I really don't. I think it's going to get finished pretty quickly. So I will probably go with the under, depending on the line once it drops on DraftKings. But I like under. All right, AK. Hello, can have... you hear me? Hello, yes. my best friend. Thank you, Danny, for filling in on uh, best friend duties. That was fantastic. <laughs> if God forbid, Mike, should something happen to me, and, and I, I won't, I'm going to live for 100 years, uh, but you have, it's good to know, you have a replacement best friend uh, just in case. So thank, thank you, Dan. I, I had to step in, Mike, to defend myself for the uh, Barbosa Elias Oporio pick. <laughs> Uh, Tok, I love you. Tok, appreciate the uh, replies as always. Appreciate the criticism. Uh, so, you know, it's I, I kind of explained it. Uh, no, but I do think I rambled a little bit. I didn't quite get to the heart of it. So I had more time to think about it after. Now, I don't I don't have a counter to uh, if, you know, if they want to set up um, – if Volkanovsky 
beats Makachev and leaves the featherweight division for the foreseeable future, and they need a main event for you know uh, UFC 297 in Toronto, Max Holloway, Tapore is the very logical pick. For, but I think I explained, like, for me, I am banking on, I think Makachev's going to win again. I think Volkanovski does return to featherweight. Uh, so I don't want to see an inter. I-, I like to avoid interim titles where possible. Even though I get at him jumping up between the two, you know, jumping between the two weight classes seems to uh, precipitate the, you know, uh, an interim title. I get it. I just think it's avoidable, and I think Volkanovski, win or lose, uh, should he lose, would still be ready to compete again within first quarter of um, of. Uh, 2024, and I and I know he said he wants to fight Toporia, but I'm also thinking if he loses, he's probably not hopping in on the Toronto card. So I, I'm I was juggling a few things here, but primarily my idea is like I don't think uh, Toporia is going to headline that card anyway uh, without Volkanovski, and I just want to avoid the scenario where Max Holloway beats Toporia, which is very possible. I know Toporia would be favored. I think we'd all pick Toporia, but there is the possibility he beats him. And then uh, we're 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 possibly setting up Max Volkanovski for unless uh, unless yes Volk wins and has left the division. But I, I really just want to avoid that scenario. But I, I get it. I I, I I get it. So I, I think uh, Tapori is not going to headline anyway. I think you have a nice fight with him, Barbosa. I just want to see him Barbosa fight. I think that'd be sick. It's not like my my favorite pick. I think again, if people listen to the show, I had like three other options that probably made a lot more sense um, for Barbosa. Uh, but I, I still just don't think it's ludicrous that Deporia Barbosa could happen. And if Barbosa beat Deporia, yes, that would also suck in a different way. But at least you get a fresh matchup should Volkanovski still be the champion and opponent for him. Because I just don't, again, we're not getting, I just don't want to get Holloway and, and Volkanovski again. I, I, look, I'm with you. I'm with you. I don't think there is no one who wants to see that fight less than I do. I, we've seen it. And after the. Th- I thought Volk won every single fight. I thought he won the first one, clearly. Second one was really close. It's one of the most underrated fights in the history of the UFC. It doesn't get enough credit. Um, But I've watched that fight a million times, and there's not one time I've watched that fight where I was like, you know what? I was wrong. Max Holloway won. I just don't feel that way. And then the third one was just a pillar-to-post ass-whooping from Volk. And that's like everything we needed to see. After that third fight, I mean, that that was one of the best performances in a title fight I've ever seen in that fight from Volk. So I don't, I just don't think that is enticing at all to Volkanovsky. The third fight wasn't enticing to Volkanovsky, but he was just like, all right, fine. I'll do it. And then he worked him. So I get where you're coming from from that, from that aspect, but... What if this is the one? What if this is the time where Holloway has found his match? And then the Taporia fight's even bigger. But who knows? I mean, again, it's hard to even say anything until we watch what happens Saturday. And if what's Volk could go in there and like punch Makachev in the face and knock him out in 45 seconds. Like, I don't think that's gonna happen, but like that could happen. And then it's like, oh shit. Maybe Volk can fight in January. And then we don't need to worry about any of this stuff. So, yes, I, I, you're still my best friend, AK. Don't love the pick. You've, to me, you've had better. But I, I understand your reasoning behind it. And it's more so for the, we just don't want to see a fourth fight between Volk and Holloway. And I get it. I totally get it. 
Uh, Justin, with a Y, hello. Hello, how do I sound? Wonderful. Okay, so I have a couple things. One, the Tony Ferguson situation, I think we should go back in time and go back to when I suggested Jay Ellis fight him. I think that would be much, much more appealing to everyone involved. And also, I wanted to know if you think Hamzat versus Kamaru is worthy of five rounds, and if you would want to see it even after the Gilbert and uh, Bilal fight. Is it worthy of five rounds? Of course. Is it worthy of five rounds on less than two weeks' notice? Yes, but not ideal. And this almost this whole situation of the fight happening on 10 days notice and all that and being a three rounder, it actually makes it more interesting to me because I think the fight's going to be a lot more fun as opposed to, all right, these guys had 12 weeks to prepare for each other. The overthinking and all that. I think things get a little more interesting here. I think things get a little more chaotic and wild and wacky. And that's why I like this fight. That's why I like this fight. And the <laughs> Tony Ferguson. Uh, Tony Ferguson versus Jay Alice. Love that. Freaking love that idea. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun. But it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break. But it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. J-Mac, hello. Um, you're not getting through. Uh, yeah, hop out J-Mac and try again. Uh, Brian, hello. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Good, Good thanks. Just wanted to ask a couple questions on the card and then uh, just kind of a suggestion for Barbosa that I don't think I've heard yet, but I haven't heard all the weekend coverage yet. Uh, but for the first thing, who do you think is smarter for taking the shot? Do you think it's Usman or do you think it's Volk? Like, I know 
this would be Volk's second chance to do double champ status. I think that's a little risky. But I honestly think Usman's a genius for taking this. Uh, you don't have to go up against a middleweight first, and you might still get that middleweight title shot after, or you will, like Dana said. Um, and then also, it's kind of a good, uh, it's kind of a good step up because if it's not, he, he does have that welterweight back down. He can go beat a top contender and then be right back in the title picture. And then uh, I just wanted to see what you thought about Barbosa and Holloway. I know Holloway's kind of getting saved for Toronto, um, but I think that's just kind of like a Korean zombie type fight where I think the fans would just love that. Maybe put it in. Um, Maybe try to put it closer in Hawaii, maybe, or even like Brazil or something. Just wanted to get your opinions on those. Um, it's fine. Wouldn't be my first choice. I mean, Holly just did it. Like, he just fought Zombie. And at this point, I mean, if Holly wants it, cool. Them do it. Just doesn't seem like this really on his radar right now. I definitely want to see that fight at some point. I just don't think now is the time for it. So that'd be interesting. I would rather see Holloway fight Charles Oliveira. Like, that's what I want to see. At this point, Holloway Gaethje is like the fight I have to see at some point. That is like the fight. If there's one fight that I need to see over the next two years, if I could book one, that's it. Gaethje McGregor is up there as well. I mean, Gaethje versus anybody really hits the mark. But if I have, if I can't get Gaethje Holloway, then give me Oliveira Holloway. That's the fight I want to see. We didn't really get, we didn't really get it before. Let's do the rematch. Do it at fifty-five, and let's do it. That's what I want. I would rather see that. And I completely agree with you on the Usman side. This was a no-brainer for him. That phone ringing and them saying, hey, let's go, very smart on his part. Because he was pretty much out of the welterweight title picture altogether until all of this happened. Like, Kamara has to do something he never thought he would have to do. He has to root for Colby Covington to have any chance of getting a welterweight title shot. But now, everything changes. And now he is in favor with the UFC. If he goes out and loses, so what? Usman's in a great spot. And if Colby wins, they could still do Usman versus Colby just because Usman did did them a solid. And Colby could very well just call for Usman because I know Colby wants him to run that back. Colby feels like he won the second fight. It feels like he got cheated in the first one. I don't agree with that. But that second fight was pretty was was really competitive and really close. And I know Colby would love to have that one back. So I think this is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. This is as good as it gets for Usman right now. This is as good as it gets. His really only other realistic option right now is that he fights Shafkat if he beats Wonderboy, or he fights Bilal Muhammad. And Usman doesn't really gain a ton from beating Bilal Muhammad. And it's a really tough fight for him. That's a tough fight. So this is great. This is actually brilliant on his part. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, Jay Mack. Oh, hey, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, perfect. Um, so I got a, um, a question for you. 
Uh, there's four fights I'm considering betting, and I want to get your opinion on which one you think has the best value. So uh, there's uh, Javid Basharat versus Victor Henry. Basharat's a minus 550, and then Victor Henry's a plus 400. Um, and then I'm thinking, like, I want an underdog here, so that's what we're going for. Then we got Tim Elliott, who's a plus 350 against Mohamed Mokayev. He's a minus 500. And then, uh, then of course, you got Kamaru Usman, plus 220. And then Kazma uh, Chamayev is a minus 275. And then, uh, uh, finally, you got Islam Makachev, minus 265, and Alexander Volkanovsky, plus 210. Out of those four fights, which do you think has the best value? And I'll, uh, I'll go off the air on that. Thanks, Mike. Hmm. From a dog perspective, maybe Usman, maybe. Outside, like, like just looking at the cards right now, um, for like dog upside. Like I think Abu Azaitar at plus one seventy has upside. Like Cedric Dumas is a minus two hundred five favorite, and look, Cedric is a is 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 a fun guy, but is he a minus two hundred five favorite? I don't know, man. I feel like Javid Basharat. That it's actually kind of puzzling to see him as a minus five thirty five right now, but I think I just think he's that good, and I. People know how much I revere and respect Victor Henry. I think Javid Basharat is is for real, for real. And I love this fight a lot. I'm glad it's happening. I think Muhammad Yaya as at dog odds is very intriguing at plus 130. Uh, actually, the Tim Elliott line's not bad. We're going to learn a lot about Muhammad Makayev in this fight. I don't love a lot of them. I mean, maybe Elliot. I think he's just so chaotic. I like Muin Gafarov at plus 170. I think that's not a bad line to take a shot at. Yeah. But probably Usman. Usman's enticing at plus 225. I don't love it. I feel like Shamayev's going to win, but... I think Usman should probably be that. That should be lined a little bit closer. All right, let's keep rolling. We're gonna go rapid fire here. Uh, just want to get some of the newbies in here. Abzwalia, go ahead. Yeah, what's up, man? Um, I have two things. I just want to ask. Firstly, uh, what are your predictions for Muhammad Makayev and Tim Elliott? How do you see that fight playing out? Personally, for me, I see Makayev taking advantage of his grappling. If he can get on the ground, I think he has a chance to win. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is about Vulcan Islam. I just want to briefly touch on the first fight. I was watching uh, Demetrius Johnson's live stream yesterday where he was breaking down the fight, and he brought up a lot of interesting um, points from his extraordinary fighter's IQ, you know, breaking down that fight. Um, he mentioned round two as a very close round, and I was watching that very closely myself. 
I disagree with him on the fact that Volk possibly won the round because to me, it was very clear Islam won that round just due to the fact he got some very good clinches. He got a few good knees to the body. He also outstriked um, Volk and he also managed to get him on the ground. Even though Volk did a very good job at, you know, pace pressuring Islam and keeping a lot of good distance, he fumbled that. Um, and also, you know, seeing um, Demetrius' analysis of how Volk was able to counterpunch Islam because Islam was, you know, obviously they're both, both um, using the same, like, um, dominant hand, which is the right hand, and tr- um, twisting the same way. But what Islam did was he would rotate with his right hip and, you know, right leg to set up the punch. But Volk would, you know, obviously a master of changing stance. He would purposely let Islam lead with him with the right hook to, you know, try and catch his left. But then he will, you know, it was, I think, during round three, he just, you know, literally tried to... Um, uh, what is it like wobble Islam with the right punch after um, you know and I also like with that analysis um, watching round three and five which was ugly Volk's best round especially round five I don't understand where this narrative came from from MMA fans that Volk only won that round because of the last one minute when I was watching the entire round he was outpacing Islam he was literally on fucking God mode just Brutalizing that motherfucker. He kept putting pressure, optical control. He even managed to handle the scrambles well, considering the fact it was the fifth round. And when you were facing a competitor like Islam, who's amazing at that Brazilian jiu-jitsu sambo technique, it's very, very difficult to do that. And Volk literally ushered through that very well. Now, why I'm mentioning this, because with the second fight upcoming, um, obviously there's a lot at stake here. I think Volk has a lot of upsides and downsides equally. Like his upside, uh, he has nothing to lose from this fight. But he also, obviously, he's not exactly in camp shape. He is in shape, but then he's also come off an injury. So I'm just curious to see, you know, things like the hydration clause, you know, the last minute time traveling. I'm sure, you know, it's really hard to adjust to that time zone with maybe at most being there for about seven to eight days. You know, and Islam obviously has the advantage of the hydro um, hydration clause now. So I think that might take it effect on how his cardio will work throughout the fight. I, I'm really curious to see, man. Like, I really hope Walk wins. But if Islam wins, I wouldn't mind it. I think it's also good for the Walk, um, lightweight division to move on. We need some new um, proper 155. But if Walk wins, I'm really curious to see if the UFC is willing to do this fight eventually at UFC 300 or down the line later next year. Thanks, man. Have a great day. That'll be a great fight. Gonna be a great fight. I think Muhammad Hayev's gonna beat Tim Elliott, but it's gonna be competitive. It's gonna be close. I don't think we get a. Maybe we'll get a finish. I don't know. I think it's gonna be a fight where Mahayev like almost finishes Elliott in the first round, has a really good second round, but Elliott has a moment in the second round that kind of changes the tide, and then Mahayev just kind of battles through it and wins round three. So, yeah. That's what I think. It's going to be a good fight. All right, let's keep rapid fire going. Uh, go ahead, Mayonnaise Face McFlanagan. Okay, didn't go through. Uh, CV. CV, go ahead. Yo, Mike, uh, just two quick ones for me. Um, not really a hot take, but is um, is middleweight the most intriguing uh, division right now? Um, just because... Um, Obviously, we got a lot of callers here. Everybody's hyped for the Usman-Chimayev um, fight. 
um, like regardless who wins. And if they do get the title shot against Strickland, I think both fights would be um, intriguing in their own way. And even if Usman loses and he goes back to welterweight, like, you know, that was nice. He moved up for one fight. And obviously you got like a bunch of killers in middleweight. Uh, I mean, you still got Whitaker there. You got DDP. And you got like some upcoming guys like Joe Pfeiffer. Um, you got Bo Nickel lurking there too. So um, just to get your thoughts on that. And um, on the prelims, like what's the low-key banger? And why is uh, the Trevor Peak fight the correct answer? Thanks. Um, low-key banger. Do, do, do. It's probably Basher at Henry. I mean, that fight just that just fight's just super fun. I think honestly, and look, I really I am. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this answer just because I'm putting positive juju out into the universe, okay? And I know it's kind of cheap because it's the featured fight, I believe. Uh, but I'm actually gonna go with Magomed Ankalaev, Johnny Walker. Nobody is talking about this fight. Nobody. These guys potentially could be fighting for a for a title shot at 205. Obviously, if, if Jamal Hill is the dude, if he's ready. But if he's not ready, the, one of these two guys could be fighting for the belt in their next fight. It's very possible. And yet, no one's talking about this fight. Does this have potential to be an absolutely horrific fight? You bet your ass it does. But I kind of feel like Ankle Life is, is not going to be that guy anymore. And I kind of feel like he can't. This dude, Magomed Ankalaev, is probably the best 205er in the world. I would pick Magomed Ankalaev against pretty much everybody. I would pick him against Yuri. I would pick him against Alex. I would pick him against Jamal Hill. I would pick him against pretty much everybody. But he's just not fun. He hasn't been fun in a while. And... I think he's starting to realize that it ain't just about winning. You got to be fun too, especially with some of these absolutely chaotic murderers at 205. So I think that fight's actually going to deliver. And no one's talking about it. It's friggin' insane. And those two are not going to make a single headline at all this week because all eyes are going to be on Shemayev and Usman in the top two fights, as probably it should be. Is middleweight the most intriguing division of the sport? No, but it's up there. It's in a much better place than it was a year ago in terms of intrigue. I actually, I mean, I, I was with Chris Weidman for a lot of the day yesterday, and we actually talked about this, and yeah, he's pretty intrigued by that as well. Sean Strickland's the champion. There's so many different doors open now than there were when Izzy was the champ. So, Yeah. Super fun. Uh, Willie, go ahead. What's going on, Mike? How you doing? 
Okay. Uh, just a few things. So, first of all, you were saying a lot of people aren't talking about Ankalaev and Walker. I think that might be the underdog of the week. Um, Ankalaev doesn't deal well with leg kicks, and he usually resorts to his wrestling as like a, a last resort. And Walker's huge frame, we could see him trap him against the fence in the clinch and just rain down those like Paul Craig type elbows that he, he just put him away with. But um, another thing is a lot of names have been thrown out for Max Holloway in January, but it's pretty obvious he's going to be the backup opponent. I think Alexander Volkanovsky turns around win or lose. Why not make him and Aljamain Sterling the co-main event of that? And if Ilya or uh, Volk can't fight, then make that the main event against Ilya for the interim title. And then just the last thing, I've also heard some talks about 298 taking place in Arizona and a talk... For that card would be Bo Nickel and Joe Pfeiffer. Thoughts on that? I've heard nothing about 298 in Arizona. Not saying there's that, that that won't happen, but I've heard nothing about that. I wonder if they're going to just go back to Australia again, which would be kind of interesting. But if Volk's fighting in January and Izzy's not fighting, then kind of a tough sell for being honest. Holly Sterling is the is is very interesting. I just don't know where Holloway's mind is at right now. Not Holloway. Uh, Sterling's mind is at right now. Whether he wants to fight at thirty five or go to forty five, but to me, if he goes to forty five, Holloway is the guy. There's nobody else that makes sense for him. At least if you're from from a Sterling perspective. Because there is a real world where the UFC could just be like, nah, dude, you're going to go ahead and fight Mavzar Vloyev. Win or lose in his next fight. Like, they could just do that. It's very possible. But if you're Aljo, you go all in on the, the Holloway fight. Like, that should have been his plan from Jump Street. This whole thing of, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to get this rematch. Zero chance he's getting that rematch. He's never fighting Sean O'Malley again unless he wins the featherweight title. Unless he wins the featherweight title and Sean goes up to chase him for the featherweight title to do the two-division shit, he ain't fighting Aljo again. He's not going to do it. So if it's all about the rematch, that's how you get your rematch. And there's no other way you get it. So I like that idea. I like that idea. I don't think it happens as soon as January, but I like it. Uh, Four Corner Sports, then YVMZ, and then I got to go. Go ahead, Four Corner Sports. All right, didn't go through. All right, YVMZ, take us home. I got to go. Hi. Hey, Mike. Heck of morning. Quick uh, quick question for you. Um, uh, Jake Paul announced that he was going to fight on December 15th. Do you think it's going to be against Mike Perry? And two, um, do you think Adesanya is holding out to fight to see the uh, para outcome. Thanks so much. Um, I think he's holding out. No, I think he, I think he needs time away from the sport. He needs to leave the sport for a while. He needs to leave the sport for a while. He's got personal, he's got things with his personal life. He's got to address. Dude has been just, engulfed in all of this for so long he needs a break from it needs a break from it so i respect the hell out of him for realizing that and he needs to get himself right 
before he gets anything else ready. So I don't think he's holding up for anything. I think after the Strickland loss and after, you know, we saw the, the drunk driving charge and all that, I know that that doesn't define him. It's something people are going to give him shit about. But look, I've said this a million times and I said it after he lost to Sean Strickland. People have kind of turned on Izzy. And it's the whole pro wrestling narrative. You can't, we can't miss you if you don't leave. We cannot miss you if you do not leave. And especially in this sport, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Look at what it did to Colby. I mean, people were just kind of done with Colby. And then he leaves for a year. No one even hears from him. Like he was like, he said nothing. He said nothing for a year outside of doing like sponsored content. And then he just walks on the scale in March in London. And everyone's like, oh shit, Colby's here. And people went crazy for it. And then he did interviews and people kind of <laughs> went back to how they felt about Colby. But you kind of get where I'm, where I'm getting at. I think Izzy just kind of hit need to hit the refresh button at this point. And I think he'll find his way in a title fight no matter what. Like he comes back, he probably fights for the belt. So that's what I think. And unfortunately, I forget. Oh, Jake Paul. Uh, who's Jake in a fight? God, Mike Perry would be the best. Oh, I hope it's Mike Perry. I doubt it is. I doubt it is. I don't know who it is. Honestly, it's not KSI. I don't think. I think they would make a bigger deal out of that. Will it be Nate? I don't think they'll do the Nate rematch. I don't know. I don't know who he's going to fight. Let me look it up. I think they put out odds on it. Do, do, do. Let me see. We don't even know where the fight's happening yet, so that's part of it. Uh, Sports Betting AG released odds for 14 fights as the possible next opponent for Paul, setting KSI as the clear favorite at plus 200. I mean, that honestly, that is the only fight that makes sense here. For real, that's the only fight that makes sense. Derek Brunson at plus 300. Dylan Dennis plus 500. Tommy Ferry plus 600. Mike Perry plus 800. Uh, Mazadal plus 1,200. Uh, won't be Mazadal. Look at all these lines. KSI, Derek Brunson, Dylan Dennis, Tommy Ferry, Perry, Mazadal, De La Hoya. McGregor, Alvarez, Mayweather. Pac-Man Jones, Jesus Christ, Stipe, Logan Paul, and Mike Tyson, golly. I, I honestly have no idea. I have no idea who he's going to fight. I hope it's somebody good. Like, I kind of want to see the Tommy Fury fight again. But KSI makes all the sense in the world, and then we can just kind of, just kind of stop 
the influencer boxer stuff. Like, I feel like that's the last one we need to see. And then we could just be like, all right, you're either going to be a boxer or you're not. But I honestly have no idea. Derek Brunson's interesting. Well, like, will anybody care? You know what they should do is throw fucking Phil Haas in there. Phil Haas has been talking some greasiness. I don't know if Phil still has a UFC contract or not. Phil Haas would be fun. Wouldn't. I mean, I, I don't. It draws a little better than, than Brunson because Phil will talk. We'll see. They should just get back in there. Why the hell not? Get another bag. Even if it's the same outcome, who gives a shit? There you go. All right, I got to go, guys. Thank you so much. Screenshotting Panda, JSTAT, and Ani. Boom. There you go. Uh, Thursday show, you three jumped the line. But appreciate you all. We'll be back Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. Uh, you guys may have seen the announcement. Uh, new, sh- new show coming to MMA Fighting. Some new content. It's called Swing Rounds. Playing golf with fighters. Playing golf, having some chats. Uh, Chris Weidman, first guest. Had a lot of fun. It was a long-ass day. I had to wake up at like 2.45 in the morning. 3.30 drive out to his neck of the woods. And I was just exhausted, man. And I played like shit. I played so bad. I was just exhausted. Played the worst round of golf I played in like three years. And you'll see it. <laughs> it's so I played so bad. Wyman is Wyman played pretty rock solid. Uh, Wyman's cousin played with us. Another friend of his played with us. Uh, really good guys. It was just a lot of fun. So not sure when that's gonna drop. I think we're gonna start the editing process on that next week after two ninety four. But yeah, it's gonna be an ongoing series. This is the first one. I shot it all by myself which is something I've learned I cannot do again because I need to get a camera person to join us for this. It's just impossible to do it all. But learned a lot. It's going to be a fun little series. And a lot of fighters, a lot of people in and around the sport, very interested in participating. uh, And we're going to get them all involved at some point. So stay tuned for that. Thank you all. See you Thursday. Have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Neil Patel, host of Decoder, my show about big ideas and other problems. Right now on Decoder, we're doing a mini-series about one of the biggest ideas that's creating some of the biggest problems around, generative AI. Our series dives deep into some of the most pressing issues surrounding generative AI, with expert Verge reporters covering the cutting-edge frontier of the industry. How could copyright lawsuits completely upend large language models and image generators? How big a problem is AI-generated misinformation for the 2024 election? And what kind of impact are AI chatbots having on human relationships? Decoder's AI series will help you understand what's going on, why, and where it might go from here. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Decoder wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this episode has come from eBay. You know real when you feel it. And with eBay Authenticity Guarantee... 
you don't have to wonder. You know that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo will be checked by experts and verified authentic. Maybe it's a designer handbag, sneakers that pop, jewelry that shines as bright as you do. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.